You're listening to the Lost Chill Podcast with Katie and Kimmy. For years now, I have had the pleasure of listening to the wit, banter, and pure joy from these two, and now I invite you to share in the delight of listening to them discuss the books they're currently reading. Whether you are a fellow dedicated bibliophile or simply wish you had more time to read, you will love hearing the insight and discussions around the stories they dive into. So grab a cup of coffee or pour a glass of wine and let's jump on in. Katie and Kimmy, take it away. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Lost Chill Podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Kimmy. We are your stupendous, wonderful, magical, marvelous, fantastical, amazing hosts. Welcome to lucky episode number 13. A little early. Calm down. Sorry, I can't. I've lost my chill. Didn't even get to my joke yet. I know. This week, we're discussing Firefly Lane by my queen, Kristen Hanna. This week's episode was chosen by you, the listeners, and hopefully followers on Instagram as well. Yes, we gave our followers on Instagram a few different books to choose from for this episode, and it was a close one, but Firefly Lane was the winner. Thank you for everyone who took the time to vote on this. We just did another one, and... By now, you probably know what it was, but we don't right now. We don't right now. Still a mystery to us, but that's okay. Still a mystery. So this is the second book that we've covered by Kristen Hanna. Congrats, Kristen Hanna, on being our first double episoder. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I read this in March, and you read this several years ago, and then reread it again for this episode. So we have lots of fun stuff to talk about, but as we do every episode, Kimmy... Yeah. What are you reading? Um, so many things. <laughs> like five <laughs> books. Uh, That's I'm, so unlike you. I know. It's, it makes me feel very incomplete and unsettled. Yeah. But it's all right. Um, so I'm reading Get a Life, Chloe Brown, Via My Ears. My ears are reading that one. It's, wow. I don't know yet. I'm still waiting to see how it all unfolds, but it's... it's, it's sensual? Erotic? sensual and erotic so far. <laughs> And then I'm also still working on uh, the Dictionary of Lost Words, which I'm loving that one. That one's really good. Okay. Mm-hmm. What about you? I am also reading a million books as well. Wow. So unlike me as well. Um, yesterday I finished Daisy Jones and the Six for my work book club. I got to choose a book this month, and that's what Ooh. I picked. Love me some TJR. Um, and then I'm almost done. I have one question. Yeah. So I know, obviously, about the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo and Malibu Rising being yeah. tied together. Yeah. Someone told me that she, like, kind of ties all of her books together, like, in the same universe and, like, refers to them. Did you notice that in Daisy Jones and the Six I did at all? not notice that in Daisy Jones okay. and the Six. It's something I just but skimmed it's and saw. similar plot. Okay. As far as, and I don't mean similar plot as, as far as things that happen go, as far as, um, it's no, uh, I don't want to give you any spoilers on Evelyn Hugo, but the gist of it is that there's a reporter that's interviewing oh. Evelyn Hugo and there is a reporter-ish, I use air quotes on that, interviewing uh, Daisy Jones and the bandmates and that is similar. Interesting. That okay. is the only similarities that I picked up so, on both of okay. those so far. So, but I haven't read Malibu Rising yet. I obviously haven't read any of them. That made me curious because I like to look for the Easter eggs. Yes. And sometimes it's like the smallest little thing. If you remember back on our actual book club with Lindsay all those mm-hmm. years ago, when we read The Coincidence of Coconut Cake, yes. that author actually has multiple books. Like, um, what was it called? Something, something, cider. There were like three of them. Uh-huh. But like the girl from the bakery who made the coconut cake she came to the cidery is that what they're called and like just stuff and so it wasn't like anything necessarily to do with the um actual plot line just a little easter egg in there so that's kind of what i got the feeling was more like for the taylor reed jenkins books so i was wondering if you picked up on it uh no i didn't i didn't see anything um simplicity of cider yes see i told you Luck, Love, and Lemon Pie. Yeah, I read all of them. Oh, you did? I didn't realize that. 
I really loved them. And they all, like, it was just tiny, tiny little things, but they all, like, snuck in and were little Easter eggs for each other. That made no difference to the story, and you, like, you didn't need to read the other ones, but if you had read them, you would pick up and just Got be like, it. oh, look, it's them. How cute they showed up. Got it. So I, if, if you have not read Daisy Jones and the Six yet, I absolutely 100% recommend it on audiobook because it is like a VH1 behind the music. It is like listening to a documentary. It is phenomenal. I want to highlight stuff and I know, I know, I know. I probably will though because this audiobook, I don't like the narrator <laughs> that much. I'm sorry. Yeah. Narrators make it. But I also, I don't know if it's a speed thing. And so I told, like, I had a hard time with Eleanor Oliphant, and I could not listen to that one quickly. Right. And I thought it was just a British accent. This one is also a British accent, but I'm listening to her as fast as I listen to Tom Hanks. Really? At 1.75. Wow. And so I don't know if that's, like, altering the voice, but the narration's just off for me. It does alter the voice a little bit, I've noticed. Um, But I'm also now listening. I'm almost done with um, My Sister, the Serial Killer. Love that book as well. It's a very <laughs> fast read. I just started it yesterday and I have about a half hour left in it. Oh, wow. Yeah, a very fast read. I was also cleaning the house and doing laundry yesterday. So prime audiobook time for me. So <laughs> we will always post reviews for these books and more on our own Instagram at Katie's Lost Chill and at Kimmy's Lost Chill. The Instagram for our podcast at The Lost Chill is going to focus on Firefly Lane this week. We sincerely hope that you will join that conversation about this book, specifically the book. But if you want to talk about the show, we'll probably talk about the show a little. Yeah. But on the book is where it will focus. Now, before I forget, I want to remind you this episode will contain spoilers. But before we get started... <laughs> Let's make some party noises. Bow, 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 bow. Bow, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Whoa, this is not that kind of show, Kimberly. I just thought party noises in my brain went there. Oopsie, that Chloe Brown is getting to you. She sure is. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right. So I'm going to dote on Kristen Hannah for a minute here. No. Oh. Oh, I love her. You going to say something snarky? This is your cue. It's funny that you love her. It really is. You know she writes like books about feelings and relationships and not horror, right? This is brand new information. I know. I had no idea. Thank you so much for telling me. So it's weird that in your little kingdom, the king and queen are Stephen King and Chris and Hannah. <laughs> it's not yours? No. <laughs> who's your king? Uh, Probably Benjamin Button, who's Taylor Swift's cat. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I was trying to dig up some interesting things about Chris and Hannah that I didn't already cover in our first episode that we did on one of her books um, in March uh, about the four winds. I know why I love her so much. Her all-time favorite book, and I got this right off her website, so I know it's true. It's not the internet trying to lead me into rabbit holes and whatnot, is To Kill a Mockingbird, which is also my favorite book. Yep. Twinsies. Even better fun fact about her. One of her favorite movies that she has listed on that same website is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, Which both Kimmy and I have talked about on previous episodes being yes, one of our favorite I movies. I love that movie. So she also likes to write her books out longhand, just like we learned what Aaron Morgenstern also prefers in the Night Circus a couple weeks ago. And then Chris and Hannah also used to be a lawyer. I didn't know this. Um, before she started her writing career. And Firefly Lane is one of her most popular books, especially now that it's been brought back to life with the Netflix series. That's fascinating. Oh, I have so much to say about the Netflix series, but I won't. We could have a whole episode just comparing and contrasting. Oh, gosh. Well, we'll touch on we, it. We will touch on it, but I don't want the Netflix series to overshadow, overshadow yeah. the book. I feel that. Because... We are not a Netflix podcast. I don't know if you know this. No, just movies. Just movies. Mm -hmm. Just movies. So sorry, you're not a movie. We're not going to talk about you. No. But we will talk about books on this episode. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. So the book, Firefly Lane, is a coming-of-age story that follows two best friends, Tully and Kate. Tully and Kate, Tully and Kate, one word. That's how they're known. 
They just go together. Like wham bam, wham da bam bam. No, that's grease. They just go together. <laughs> like peanut butter and jelly. I don't know. Shh. And so this is their story over their multi-decade-long friendship. We see it grow and evolve and show us that family isn't always blood. Short and sweet to the point with this one because we have a lot to talk about. We do. So uh, I'm going to go need to refill my wine glass. But this month of April, we've had lots of birthday episodes. Yep. So I will also say this book was hard to find a joke on, which is why I think you punted it to me. No, it was just your turn. Oh, oh so kind. Yeah. Okay. So what's the mark of a really good friend? What? Someone who always remembers your birthday, but never your age. (laughs) (laughs) You remember both because you have a steel trap there. Maybe. Yeah, you do. Without a doubt, you are currently enjoying the pure hilarity and delight while listening to the Lost Chill podcast. But I know, in about an hour or so, that old familiar sinking feeling will creep in. What do you even do each week after you finish listening to the latest episode of the Lost Chill? You miss the crazy shenanigans, the silly hootenanny, the general hullabaloo? If only there was another podcast you could listen to that had all those things. Well, have I got some good news for you. There is, and it's called the Death Metal Disco Podcast, hosted by our friend James, who talks about whatever the heck he pleases. We can promise that you will be absolutely tickled as he rambles on about anything and everything. Again, it's the Death Metal Disco Podcast. That's death as in the opposite of life, metal as in a genre of music that Taylor Swift has not gotten into yet, and disco, the place where some have been known to panic at. Be sure to check it out, and be sure to let James know that Katie and Kimmy sent you. Enjoy! I'm going to ask this question right out of the gate with absolutely no buildup. Who do you identify with? Tell your Kate. I'm sure I know the answer, but tell me who you identify with. Before my 20s, totally... Uh, before maybe even my, before mid-twenties totally, after, and as I've settled into a mom, definitely Kate. Okay. I definitely identify as Kate, and I always completely. have. Yeah. Like, so, like, it completely switched, and I don't know if it's because I have kids and totally never did, but as a mother mm-hmm. alone, I identified with Kate a lot, and just everything she felt and was going through. Even though most of the other stuff, like even just before kids as a job in school, that kind of thing, I was always definitely, even in college, I didn't go to college, related to Tolly way more, but just everything with Kate as a mother, I completely identified with. Yeah. I I, I can see that, but I can also see you identifying with Tolly as well. So I, it kind of surprises me that you say that you identify a little bit with Kate, but you're you're Tully in my eyes. Oh, <laughs> you're Kate in mine. Yeah, I there figured. was one quote, one scene specifically that was like me and you. Oh, was it? Yeah, and so <laughs> it was when they snuck out and they were riding their bikes all fast down <laughs> yeah. the road, and then they crashed. Yeah, and Tully was like, "That was incredible," and Kate goes. Are you kidding? We could have died. <laughs> and Tolly goes, exactly. <laughs> yes, that is us to a T. And that is where you are Tolly and I am Kate. Yes, I'm like, Always that, and forever. That's what makes it fun. And Lindsay's somewhere in between, which is why it's like the perfect trio that we have. <sighs> so as BFFs that talk every day, all day, every day, the trio of us. Yes. Did you absolutely relate to their codependent relationship or was that just me? Or did they take it to the extreme more so than the three of us? <sighs> I had lots of thoughts about this. Did you? I think they took it to an extreme in ways that we have not been able to. Because we haven't been friends as long? That Yeah, so we haven't had the blessing Maybe you had a little more with Lindsay before I came into the circle, but we haven't truly had the blessing of the freedom of youth, Mm -hmm. of just being able to go spend the night at each other's houses, hang out till the crack of dawn. And we've always had the weight of responsibilities keep us from just 
merging into one, spent hanging out 24 seven together. Mm-hmm. On that note, I think part of what is a bit of a rift between Tolly and Kate in the book is that one of them has kids and one doesn't. Yeah. And so while the kids are what keep us from hanging out as much or being able to stop over, or I've, I feel like it's even different when one does and one doesn't because then, you know, Kate or Tolly can just go over to Kate's house all the time and hang out and relax because she doesn't have to get home and make dinner for anyone kind of thing. Um, it makes us closer because of that bond we can just have over relating to each other and understanding each other in that way. So time-wise, I don't think we're as codependent as them, but there are other things that we can just be super way closer than they can because there's a level that they can't understand of each other. Yeah. And, you know, I say give it about 20 years and we'll be at that level too. Maybe even longer because after all of our husbands die and we're golden girling it up, then, you know, we'll have that freedom to do whatever. Not saying that I want our husbands to die, just for the record. Should I bring it down and get morbid to that foreshadowing quote again? (sighs) Yeah. Oh, gosh. There's this quote in the first 1% of the book that says they believe it would last, that someday they'd be old women sitting in their rocking chairs on a creaking deck. And now she knew better, of course. And that foreshadows so much as to what happens in this book. But Kimmy asked me before we did the recording, <laughs> she she brought up this quote and she didn't think that she was going to bring it up on the show. But I did. But she did. Here we are. <laughs> and she asked me if I thought that it meant death and what happened at the end of this book or if I thought it was going to be some sort of drama. And I absolutely immediately went to drama Nobody really thinks that a friendship is going to end in death. More times than not, it ends in drama and falling apart, weeding your friend garden, if you will. (laughs) Um, But I did not see that coming whatsoever. And I I think it's interesting. I didn't realize it was that uh, fresh into the book. Yeah, just from the very get-go. Yeah. See, that's why she's the queen. The queen. The queen. Kristen yeah. Anna. <laughs> so I, yes, I have big plans for the rest of our lives, but, you know, everyone does. So I do hope we'll get there, the three of us. I'm sure we will. We're already. We're eternal. <laughs> we're already definitely on our way. <laughs> yes. Um, so you wanted to jump on in, so I'm going to jump on in too. Cheers. Mother-daughter relationships, your fave. Oh, shit. So Mrs. Malarkey at one point is listening to Kate rant about her difficulties of parenting a teenager. And she just goes, whew, 30 years. And Kate's like, what? What's 30 years? She's like, that's how long it's going to take for you to get an apology. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to know, like, do you and your mom talk about, like, the trials of parenting like that? And have you apologized to her yet? No. Are you going to? No. <laughs> oh, so it's implied. So maybe you're I'm not taking there her yet. to Hawaii in two months. <laughs> it's implied. Oh, she's sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, mom. Um, we don't really have those conversations because the past is in the past. And I'm going to leave it there. All <laughs> <laughs> right. So Tully has a dream to be a news anchor and will stop at nothing to be able to accomplish his dream. She, in a way, forces this dream onto Kate, which Kate doesn't want as much as Tully does, even though she does end up meeting her husband because of the station that she's working at. Why do you think Kate didn't try to change her career path sooner? Do you think it would have hurt their relationship if she did? Ooh, that's an interesting consideration. I don't necessarily think Kate realized she didn't want that at first yeah i think she was kind of like i don't know what i want to do and that sounds good so and i get to hang out with my best friend every day yeah um there it became evident when they were in college of just having different interests and um kate honestly was there for more of the college experience and i still think she wasn't clear on what she wanted to do i don't think she knew yes or no she didn't want to be in the journalism news industry 
think she just wanted to experience college and have that social aspect. So I think that even being in college and having her social life just open and having being in a sorority and having, you know, all these friends, that probably was so different from high school. Whereas more or less totally already experienced that in high school, if, you, if that makes sense. Yes. Kind of. Because sometimes if you like already go through the party scene and get it out of your system. And she definitely did. Did. A little bit too soon, in my opinion. Far too soon, I would agree. And so with Kate never experiencing that, I don't think she was ready to even necessarily consider where she wanted to go in life. She just wanted to have those experiences with friends and dating and boys. Yeah. And Tully had gotten that out of her system, so to speak, and was ready to just be so focused and career-driven from the get-go. I think that's why she didn't try to change it sooner. I think she was pretty indifferent to it before she realized how much she truly didn't want it. I think that you're right, because even in college, she had kind of more gravitated towards the creative writing classes, and but she wasn't really ready to make that leap yeah. into something different other than Tully. And I don't know. I think it's it, it worked out for her, I think. But I, I think it would have strained the relationship, and I don't think I that think they so would have too. continued into adulthood. Really? I do. Because Tully was a type of person where she just had something on her mind and she needed to go out and do it. Yeah. Which is fine. That is a fantastic go-getter type of personality. And um, it also worked out for her. But being on two different tracks so young in life, I mean, think back to it. You and I were both young mothers. Did you keep a lot of the same friends when you were younger because you had a child and they didn't? Yeah. You did? I have like the only people I talk to from high school are the same three friends I've had since nearly the whole time. Yeah. I mean, I don't see them a lot. Like it's not closeness. I think we could pick up right where we left off. Yeah. And then, but honestly, I found a lot of other parents with kids. Mm. I I never did. I never did. Really? Yeah. I never found a lot of friends with children. So earlier this month on another episode, we discussed whether or not it was better to tell someone you loved when they were making bad decisions or to just let them make their mistakes. Like everything we talk about, that again came up in this book. Purple elephant! (laughs) This little nugget of wisdom was shared from Kate's mom as Kate was discussing Tolly's relationship with her teacher. She told her that sometimes being a good friend meant saying nothing, watching them make a mistake, and then being there to stand by to pick up the pieces. How do you think their relationship would have changed if Kate hadn't heeded her mother's advice? What? Tully wants, Tully gets. And I think that if she wanted it bad enough that she would have told Kate to piss off. And I think at the very least, if it was not friendship ending, it would have at least caused a huge kaboom. That they would have blown up at each other, huge fight, and just gone rounds. But... I think that her mom gave excellent advice and I'm glad that Kate listened to it because Tully did need to go through it. Tully did need to make her own mistakes and live her own life lessons, so to speak. So it ended up well. (laughs) I agree. And I think it would have gone terribly if she would have told her like, look, you need to not do that. And I think a part of that is Tolly's upbringing Mm. and what Tolly thinks she wanted and just not having that mother figure. And by that, I just mean stuff like how what Tolly wanted more than anything was attention, truly. Sure. And someone to care about her and what she was doing, what she felt. Had that come in the form of like boundaries and rules I don't think she would have liked that even from her mom most of all and so I think had that come from Kate of you know this isn't good for you you need to stop this blah blah she would have just really rebelled for lack of a better term against Kate 
of being like, you don't get to tell me what to do because no one had ever done that before. And I think that's the same thing of later when she projected all over Mara, Mara, excuse me, loose. Um, you know. Did you say it Mara the whole time? And I said Mara. Oh, okay. That was just weird. A slip of the tongue. Yeah. Okay. I was concerned. Yeah. Sorry. I know. That would be weird. I was like Firefly Lane on Netflix <laughs> actually confirmed that you are incorrect. No, I know. I know. Okay. Okay. We're okay. okay. Everything's fine. Oh my gosh. I was so close. My heart's racing and everything. But she was, you know, giving her attention with no rules. Like, and I think she was being the mom she wanted to Mara. If that makes I sense. I can get behind that. And like she didn't want guidance or rules. So she didn't want to tell her what to do. She was like, oh, yeah, she just needs someone to look out for her and be there and watch her and sip the, you know, what was she in the book? 13, 12, she was giving her champagne yeah. at the party. Yeah. And like she just wanted someone to pay attention to her. She didn't want someone to actually give her rules and care about the outcome of things. She just yeah. wanted to be seen more or less. And so I. Which is hard. It is hard. And I think that's a lot of. It's hard to have a relationship with that kind of person. It is. Absolutely. And I've been there. Yeah. Um, one of the hardest parts for me of this book was the the whole weird, almost triangle of Tully, Kate, and Johnny. Of, you know, how Tully had a hard time believing that Johnny could actually like her. And be like, but he's your rebound from me. I can't with those type of friendships. I, I just can't. can't because it's just so toxic. I that- didn't like it. It was almost too... Like, it wasn't a lot in this book and I feel like it was more so in the show almost but even in the book it was just almost too much because that is like the painful and like worst thing you can do to a friend almost sure is you know take their person or act like they can't possibly like you because they like me kind of thing that just makes me so sick and that almost would have been what broke it for me and I honestly don't know if I could be as big as Kate was and she struggled with that her whole life and they always, especially Johnny was able to make it better and treat it like an insecurity. But that would have been an insecurity that probably bit at me so much that I would have been like, bye Tolly. Kate put up with a lot of shit. She did. I feel like more so than I probably would have. And granted, I think that Kate saw Tully as family. So she almost felt obligated to at some point. Family? But, or was it deeper? Because deeper kind of when you think about it from her, I mean, I know like nothing runs thicker than blood and family's everything. You know, when Kate was younger, she didn't like that. She, her family was people who quote unquote had to like her, Mm -hmm. but she had a hard time believing anyone could like her. So that's just a self-confidence thing. And it is, but then Tolly's the one who comes and saves her from this pit of loneliness and no one ever liking her. And Tolly's the first person to see her. So she could have almost seen her as like a savior in some aspects, which is more than family. Like she thinks her family had to like her. So that's why they did. But Tolly was the first person who she felt like had the choice and made the choice like, oh, I do like you. So do you think that she felt obligated then to stick around and be so willing to put up with Tully's shit or or the insecurities that were given to her because of Tully I think not necessarily given to her because of Tully that's a little bit too strong I could have always been there yeah but I I could see that she would have a fear of if Tully is not my best friend what if I can't find someone else to like me that much again so you think that she identified as a whole with Tully instead of just the step I know it was like kind of the 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 shtick back and forth in the book that it's Kate and Tully one word, Kate and Tully one word or Tully and Kate one word, whatever it was. Um, but do you think that she began to identify with, if Absolutely. she is not with Tully, then she is not an individual. It is Tully that's making her a person. Does I could, that make sense? I could see that. Yeah. And it's hard because it definitely, it gets to the point where a lot of the times she was kind of, didn't enjoy living in Tolly's shadow, so to speak. But I think that there could have been some of that insecurity and worry there of, you know, what if it goes back to how it was before Tolly, if Tolly's gone. 
what if I'm that little awkward middle schooler again who no one notices or likes? Yeah. Without her. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, <laughs> very slippery slope, so to speak. Things could have gone a lot of different ways with that. I There's think. a whole midnight library of possibilities. A whole midnight library of possibilities. Oh, who was Mrs. Elm then? Mrs. Malarkey. So, quick shout out to Mrs. Malarkey and your queen, Kristen Hannah. <laughs> hey, girl. Why are always the very best characters or like, I don't know. I just love her little, her... Her secondary characters, like Rose her and moms. Mrs. Malarkey. Yes, her moms, who just always have the best advice and have just been around the block and just so perfect. They're not overbearing. They're not too much. They're when we perfect. can interview Kristen Hanna one day, we will have to ask her about that. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah, well, can't wait. We'll see. <laughs> we'll have her people call our people. <laughs> First, we need to get people. You're my people. Oh, you're my people. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, man. All right. So, again, we come to a book that we're covering that you've already read a few years back. Was it the same time? Yeah. As the Midnight Circus? Okay. Usually the Midnight Circus. Fuck. Why do I keep... I don't know. Usually about seven years, to be precise. And now you find yourself reading it again. Since I do not reread, I'm always curious about the thoughts that you have and how they differ from the first time that you read the book. What are your thoughts on reading it this time versus the first time? So like I said, there's a lot that goes into books Mm -hmm. and why we like them. And I think this one I read, I want to say I read it after The Nightingale, which is my all-time favorite Kristen Hanna book. And so I kind of feel like to me, reading it so close to that one, this one paled for me. Mm A little bit. Reading this one the second time, I actually liked it more. Really? Than the first time. That's interesting. But also a lot has changed since then. Sure. (laughs) Of before, you know, I was just single mom with one kid. And so I could only relate to Tolly's youth more or less. But it became even more completely immense and cemented to what I could adhere to and see myself and relate to with Kate and you know she had the age gap and like t- hers were twins mine are almost twins <laughs> in a way 18 months and just seeing you know such a huge gap and having that start over was yeah. a huge thing I could relate to oh I absolutely related to that part yeah I did the same thing and so I felt like it was much more relatable this time on all accounts instead of just one-sided um I feel like since I did have a harder time seeing myself and Kate the first time, and obviously Tolly is not great, it kind of made me defensive. <laughs> because, Why? I mean, because Tolly's kind of a jerk to her friends. And I mean, and she she never seems to heal and con- continues to be her self-centered and what Tolly wants, Tolly gets, and everyone knows that, and... She doesn't necessarily have a lot of redeeming qualities, even if Kate sees them. Oh, I think she does. Do you? I do. Um, she loves Kate fiercely. And she is loyal AF. And I think that you see more of that in the Netflix series yeah. than you really do in the book. Um, so maybe I'm pulling on that more. Yeah. But, I mean, there were still parts in the book where I'm like, She's loyal as hell. Like, here's this beautiful, popular, well, semi-popular at the beginning, um, girl who befriends kind of innocent, naive, sometimes nerdy appearance of Kate, completely yin and yang, and their cohesive friendship carries on through decades. Yeah. So... There are redeeming qualities. I mean, I think loyalness, what loyalty. loyalty. <laughs> <laughs> Have another one, Katie. <laughs> um, I think that loyalty speaks volumes because Kate always knew, well, except for that one time that she had cancer, uh, that she could turn to Tully and she would be there. But C- Tully did come out. End up coming around once she, she realized. She could be there. And there are things like I didn't like, like her basically always trying to borrow Kate's family, so to speak. 
in ways that were definitely overstepping. Like, I get that Tolly is family, and she saw that, but, like, the way she were just like, oh, let me do this for your daughter, and I need your husband to be my producer, and all these things were... They made Kate uncomfortable, and they probably would have made me uncomfortable, too. Yeah, I mean, definitely the whole daughter stuff. But maybe not the producer part, because, you know, you're creating a better life. For the entire family, monetary wise, and uh, so and stability. Yes and no. I mean, when you try to think of it, like put ourselves in their shoes, so to speak, it would be. This is going to be really awkward to say, but for the sense of really putting ourselves in their shoes. So before the shoes are on, mm-hmm. imagine me right now saying, "Oh, I'm going to take your husband, Katie, and we're going to go away for a weekend with with your daughter. That's fine. She'll be there too, and we'll go hang out." And oh, do yeah, all I these things. I forgot about that part. That is, even now, that would be kind of weird. It wouldn't be like terrible. No. But then imagine that we had slept together before you had ever gotten together, and you always harbored a little bit of hidden insecurity, and then I was doing that. Yeah. So it's like one thing, too, if those lines had yeah. never been crossed. You're absolutely but right. But since the lines had been crossed and she already had that insecurity, that's one of the things I said I wouldn't have. With with those things, yeah, I completely agree with you that now thinking about it. But as far as like a hole on, hey, I want to give your husband a job that's going to make you more financially stable and just create stability because he's home all the time. I want to do that, except for the whole traveling part. But The traveling part, too, but even their jobs are weird. Like, it's not just a go work your nine to five, come home, clock out. They're there like overnight and scheming and planning all these things and late nights in the studio getting the story just right. Like, that's a different kind of job, too. But Kate had also been there. Yeah. And had been a producer. So she was very much familiar with that's kind of the layout of the job. I don't know. It's a weird situation. It is. I don't don't like like I don't like the feeling of just you putting me in her shoes. (laughs) Like, that. it just opens up a can of, of just insecurities. It does. It, especially with the sexual history between the two, I think it's the the biggest the component. Kicker. Yeah. I don't like that. I feel icky. I feel icky. <laughs> let's let's move on. Let's so, move on very halfway quickly. <laughs> between this book or halfway in, in this book, a comparison is made between best friends with mothers or sisters saying like that was the thing about best friends like mothers or sisters they could piss you off make you cry break your heart but in the end when the chips were down they were there making you laugh in your darkest hours later it compares friendship to marriage saying friendships were like marriages and that way that routines and patterns were poured early and hardened like cement which do you think is more accurate and do you think that the comparisons held up like both at the same time throughout the entire book or did it switch <laughs> it switched yeah i think it had to because that's what relationships do they evolve no matter who the relationship is with mothers and daughters or friends husband wife sisters whatever it evolves because you as a person evolve so I think in the book it was more accurate that they could piss each other off and make each other cry but they were still there for each other. But in in real life I think it's a culmination of the two when it comes to friendships that you know we have our routines on what we do as far as we have the same parties every year. We do the same things, you know, um, those type of things, those traditions hold strong Mm -hmm. and they have cemented themselves in our lives. But as far as like sisters and mothers and, you know, we've never really fought. First of all, the three of us, like, sure. We pissed each other off, but like, we've never had fights like Kate and Tully, which I'm thankful for. I like drama-less friendships. <laughs> and so I think that kind of relating it to our lives is a little bit tricky in that sense. And I don't think you even asked me to relate it to our lives, but I am anyway. That's fine. 
Um, so throughout the course of the book, I'm rambling now, but I think that they held up throughout the entire book, both in their own regard. Now I'm thinking about it. Really, half and half. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. So the way I kind of see it, and putting it in kind of different terms, is that I think in the newer days, so going back almost to how Kate felt about how her family felt about her, like they liked her because she had to, and that's kind of a negative way to spin family relationships, but, you know, when you're that young and insecure, it could be how it feels. Yeah. I feel like saying, comparing it to, like, mothers and sisters in friendship, it kind of feels like you finally believe and are convinced that someone loves you unconditionally and has that kind of safety net aspect and feeling of it. I think when it switches... Which Tully never had. I mean, she had she found that in Kate. Like, right. Thought of but, her. like, she never had her mom. No. Well, I mean, she had her grandma, so never yeah. mind. Carry on. My bad. <laughs> and then... But I think when it compares it to marriage, it's kind of like, um, yeah, you chose to be together, but it talks about, like, routines and patterns and... Kind of like when you're married, it's it's both the timing of like the length, how long it's been together, but being that close to someone for so long, that's when you can start to see the cracks. And so I don't even want to say it's anything necessarily negative, but it just has a different weight about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like, you know, the f- sister and moms, that's kind of like a we will take on the world together kind of thing. But then the marriage is kind of like, I can stop seeing how shiny and new this is and realize, you know, there are flaws that I either chose to not see or things that I once saw, you know, kind of like the joke is like, (laughs) when you get married, it's like, oh, think about the things you love about that person now because, you know, in however many years they're going to start to be the things that annoy you most in the world. And so what seems so great in the beginning, once, you know, you've done it for 30 years, that's when it becomes, you're like, oh, this isn't great. Even though it's been there the whole time and I knew it the whole time, suddenly that's the thing that really grates on me and wears me down. What are some things that wear you down? About you? (laughs) No. I know what wears you down about me. Not talking loud enough into my mic. Lazy speaking. <laughs> Should I go on? Oh, man. <laughs> my clumsiness, forgetting my shoes. Walking around with chocolate in my pocket that <laughs> melted. That happened. It's not poop, I swear. <laughs> okay. I had to clarify because I was licking my fingers with a substance that looked like poop. If I reached my hands in my pockets and they came out brown and I was licking them, would you be like, why is she licking poop? Is that really what you would think? I felt the need to clarify. <laughs> and I will stick by that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Hashtag shit happens. I thought you said it wasn't shit. Purple elephant alert. <laughs> yes. Usually we talk about parents' unrealistic expectations of their children. However, in this book, Tully's mom is literally the worst mom ever. By far. Do you think that this affected her relationship with Kate? And what kind of parental problems are better in a storyline? As far as uh, expectations from your parents Uh, versus a bad parent like this? So I think... There was obviously no expectation of anything from Cloud. I'm going to start going by Cloud. Okay. What kind? Cumulonimbus? No, that's too cumbersome to say. Stratus? Definitely too lispy to say. <laughs> You're out of Cloud options. Serious. Serious. Oh. Serious. Maybe. S- seriously? Seriously. <laughs> um. So, Cloud did not have any expectations for Tolly, really. But Tolly then went looking to Kate's mom, Mrs. Malarkey, to find anything. And that's where she really got her dream at all for being a journalist and clinging to that. And 
she was always worried about upsetting her or doing something wrong. And so I think, I think her trying to find any kind of parental love, even mm-hmm. in the form of guidance or anything, I think that really affected Kate a ton because then those, those things trickled down to Kate from her. And it was said multiple times throughout the book, you know, when they shared a dream that was really Tolly's dream. And her mom would be like, oh, why aren't you as focused as Tolly or doing this? And so it was just a huge thing of what made Kate feel like she was really in the shadow. So we kind of had both storylines with the parents. Yeah. With each character. Yeah. Which is so strange. I didn't think about that before. (laughs) That, yeah, you got the expectations from the parents with Kate because her parents are expecting from her. Yeah. But then you have Tully over here on the other side who has this bad parent with no expectations. And it's just a very strange mix. It is. And I think the other thing that's interesting and was displayed and written so well was you could see how they never talked about it, but they they both made assumptions about the other that really clouded and hurt who they were. You know, like Tully looked and saw Katie having this great family that was that cared about her and wanted to be there and all these things while Kate found them to be overbearing and too much and cared about the wrong things or expected like you know she's like oh only a mom would think it was easy to make friends in middle school kind of thing and jokes like that and all Tully wanted was that but then at the same time you know Kate could only see how her mom treated Tully and was like, why can't she treat me the same way? Why can't she see my greatness? Why does she do that? And just seeing how they both interpreted everything so differently. That's, yeah, that's a great point because Kate had what she wanted. She just didn't see it that way. 30 years she would. Yeah, 30 years. 30 years. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. You know, yes. and the parental themes, I think, are just a ever present theme in a lot of books and you know I've seen them before but now I'm just really honing in on them because it's been such a theme on our show yeah that is one thing she did incredibly well in this book and I think that's why it's so popular is because it shows so many different perspectives and sides clearly and it's just done it's just done so seamlessly Mm -hmm. you know you see so many books like Oh, who's talking now? Like, who's this person? Wait, where am I? You have to, like, orient yourself every new chapter. This flowed pretty seamlessly back between Kate and Tully and how they both felt. And it was just so relatable in every aspect. Like, you could see how Mrs. Malarkey felt to how Tully felt to how Kate felt and going just back and forth between all these characters and so many different sides and lifestyles that all blended together well. And it was very real. You want to know why? Why? Because she's the queen. Oh! Yeah. The queen interesting yeah i'm just throwing that out there <laughs> i wish you know i wish i had found chris and hannah a little bit sooner i'm really late are to you the gonna party. read anything else by her anytime yeah. soon not anytime soon because <laughs> the list just keeps growing on what i it's need to stressful. read yeah but uh kimmy actually introduced me to chris and hannah and told me to look into her books i first read the great alone which i think I don't know, and you guys out there, correct me if I'm wrong, because Kimmy first read The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. And I feel like your first Kristen Hanna book is always your favorite. (laughs) I don't know why. Because that was your first. The Great Alone was my first. I fell in love with it. Um, But I really wish I had showed up to the party a little bit sooner. I had no idea about her. I mean, we went over this on the four winds and nothing has changed except for a reread that we've only read like what, five out of 20 something. Yeah. And I'm curious because of those five, which is a very small sample. Mm -hmm. I tend to like the older stuff compared to the newer stuff, but you tend to like newer Kristen Hannah. Well, I don't know when Great Alone was published. Like last year or two years ago. Really? I didn't realize it was that new. It's her... It was the one before the four wins. I did not realize that. Yeah. Um. I I assumed for some reason that it was older. Nope. I don't know why. I mean, I liked Firefly Lane. That was two thousand eight. 
I don't know when The Nightingale was published. 2008 was like 13 years ago, Katie. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. Oh, like, yeah. Older. Older, yes. Yeah. Like, I liked Firefly Lane. Yeah. Older. Yeah, so... But that was your third favorite. Yeah. Out of five. So I'm saying we don't have a very big sample. Yeah, exactly. Like... It's hard to say with that many. But you read The Night Road? Mm-hmm. And, and that was my second, I wanted to say. I feel like I liked it more than The Firefly Lane. Okay. But I need to reread those. I so this is just interesting. I find it, I don't know. I know you're super anti rereading. I am loving it. You can pick up on stuff and relate better or not. And so I don't know. I got too many other things to read. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. I don't care. I'd rather reread a book I already know I love than reread Nick, or than read Nick to begin with, <laughs> or The Queen's Gambit. Those were some doozies. <laughs> All right, so we both watched Firefly Lane on Netflix. What did you think? I said this to you earlier this week, but I'm going to say it again because I feel like the world needs to hear this. And by the world, I mean our, you know, 100 listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Firefly Lane on Netflix is similar to seltzer water. In the sense, it tastes like the book was in another room. (laughs) That's what I feel like. By itself, that show was fantastic. Knowing what the actual story is and how far it skidded away from that was a little bit frustrating because nobody had cancer. There was a pregnancy. Just a whole bunch of things that didn't even happen in the book. And and granted, if they had given the cancer diagnosis of Kate, then how do you continue on with the additional seasons? Well, you don't because of what happens in the book. But I don't know. I I thought they were great by themselves, but not together. So it had been so long that I, and I've read, you know, so much between these things. I didn't remember what happened in Firefly Lane, the book. Because you watch Netflix before you reread. Yeah, I watched Netflix before I reread. So I kind of went in on a blank slate. Like, I remember the gist of it. I didn't remember, like, who died or how they died or what happened. Oh, you didn't? Like, okay. I remembered it was, like, sad and tear-jerky. Mostly I remembered I didn't like it as much as The Nightingale. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It didn't stick with me as much. And so I went in pretty fresh to not remembering what happened in the show. And I loved the show with not remembering and then I reread it and like the timeline was all off and crazy and like it was one thing for Johnny to go overseas and write when his daughter is that young and that that fresh, but then to make it this whole thing when, you know, she's in middle school and that's when he goes through all their life and it's an even bigger thing there. And then not to mention that they're fucking going through a divorce and Kate is basically having an affair, which is so unlike her. Right, and that's what I couldn't relate to. It completely changed her character. It did, and that's what I really had a problem with was the affair. Yeah. That was my biggest thing, and Tully's relationship with the EMT guy. Oh. Because that was not like her either. That was weird, because it's funny, because they gave him the same name as her like longtime overseas love interest in the book of Grant. Because they like never got together. They were just hookup buddies and she would sometimes get too serious for him and then... Oh, yes. He was such a blip. Yeah. And no one ever tried to get serious with uh, Tully Mm -hmm. in the book besides... The teacher. And then she kind of brushed him off. Yeah. There wasn't... I don't know. They were both good by themselves. Yes. They're not the same, though. They maybe are like distant cousins. Yeah. It's... I liked, I, I will watch the next season. I will too. Are you going to read the... Oh, absolutely. Fuck yeah. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> For our listeners, what I was going to say, are you going to re- read the sequel? Sorry. We finish each other's sandwiches. <laughs> we do. No, on this book. I mean, podcast. <laughs> this movie. Yeah, whatever. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I will read the sequel. I did tell Katie that I had I was worried about one thing happening and I was really worried about Johnny and 
totally coming together and grieving and crossing those lines. I couldn't handle that. So I, I reached out to someone I know read the sequel. And I was like, you have to tell me because I'm not going to read it if they hook up in this next book. <laughs> and apparently they don't. So I'm safe. In last week's episode, we broke down our new way of recommending books. As we have talked about before, Kimmy tends to like books that fit in the category of historical fiction, whereas I enjoy mainly horrors and thrillers. We're going to let you know if we recommend this to like-minded readers. Kimmy, why don't you start? Read this book. That's all. That's all? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This book is amazing, and I think uh, even more than specifically genres i like good stories stuff that is well written and stuff that is relatable and this just hits everything it's very highlightable or quotable if you will your favorite things there's just so many good lines and everything the characters are well developed flawed but they grow the plot uh i mean it's not like it follows a specific thing it's just like very real life Mm mm-hmm and goes over, you know, the course of a friendship. And I really appreciated that. I don't need like a beginning, middle and end. I'm good with a story of a person's life. And that's what this is. And it's good stuff. Yeah. This is not my typical genre. Uh, but <laughs> she's my queen, but it's not my typical it's genre. Not, I love not, everything she writes, but it's I not do. my typical genre. Okay, then I don't we'll like ask. feelings, but I love this book about feelings and everything she writes about feelings. But it's not my typical genre. I'm going to throw this table. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to flip it right at you. Uh, so Katie's in denial still, but let it, tell us how this is nothing like Stephen King, but you still love it. I like fast-paced, well-developed characters, which is why I tend to go for thrillers. Maybe not with the well-developed character part, but as far as fast-paced goes, I... That's why I like those kinds of books because they're easy for me to read. Constantly have my attention. I feel like this book was essentially fits in that category where it's fast paced. There's always something going on. The characters, like you said, are extremely well developed. They're very lovable in their own ways and very frustrating as well in their own ways. Because they're real. They feel real. So I definitely recommend it even if it's not your normal genre. That was, that was a dig. <laughs> yeah, I recommend it as well. Okay, wonderful. Well, we hope you enjoyed hearing our thoughts on Firefly Lane. We would also like to hear what you think. So please go over to The Lost Chill on Instagram and Facebook and tell us your thoughts on this book. And then give us a follow so you can always know what books are going to come up next. You can also find out more about us and the show at thelostchill.com. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't have to worry about missing an episode. New episodes come out every Tuesday morning, just in time to have with some coffee. Next week, we're going to talk about what is dubbed a psychological thriller. Should be right up my alley, right? I should like this. I shouldn't be be a book badger, right? No book badgers no. here. Well, hopefully. you might be. I'm so curious because this could go either way, like so hardcore. For you I or don't, for, for me? For me. Okay. I don't feel like there will be like middle ground like, eh, yeah, all right. I think it will be like, <laughs> I don't know. Are you going to be a book badger? I don't think so. Okay. I think I will like it. Okay. But I'm still a little nervous. Okay. But anyways. I'm excited. We're talking about it without talking. It's called The Push by Ashley Audrain. And that will be next week, May's first pick. I'm excited to see what you have to think about. I haven't read it yet, but I I like when you read things that aren't your normal. (laughs) It makes me happy to see either if you like it or if you don't or... I do honestly like most thrillers. I just am always scared they'll be too scary. But usually like thriller and not horror, they're just enough and I can do it. There's no mirrors. I can't guarantee that. Oh, wait, that's mine. (laughs) I can't even with you. I know. It's like you're my mirror. My mirror staring back at me. The following week. (laughs) Don't laugh. The following week will be The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. TJR! TJR! The Heezy! What, what? 
Um, I've already read this book. Kimmy has not. I'm very excited for her to read it. Uh, it's it's a good one. She loves this book. I'm excited for it. I keep seeing it everywhere. Been meaning to get to it, so I was finally ready to, and I can't wait to jump in. So, I mean, I mean, I, you don't know if I love it or not because I'm not going to share my opinion. Oh yes, uh, yeah, yeah. We're not going to find share. out next. Find week. out. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Be sure to check out our Instagram and Facebook to know all of the upcoming books for May, including that listener's pick. I know you can't wait. If you're enjoying The Lost Chill, please leave us a review wherever you listen to us. We would be so grateful if you did. We can't wait to hear your thoughts about this book, and we are thankful for everyone who has tuned into our show and keeps coming back as well. See you next time. Bye. Bye.